0: Hi, welcome back to the Health Investment Podcast. Since you know I'm pretty recipe and cooking averse, you may be confused as to why I decided to interview cookbook author Anna Vicino. Allow me to explain. I've been following Anna's blog and recipes for years, so I can confidently say these things about her cookbooks, which are called Eat Happy and Eat Happy Too. First of all, All of her recipes are accessible, delicious, healthy go-tos, meaning you can whip them up on a weeknight. Secondly, Anna's recipes serve more as templates because you can easily swap ingredients in and out and still keep the flavor. And finally, she has a knack for making cauliflower and zucchini taste better than anyone ever has. Seriously. In the episode, Anna and I talk at length about all the points I just mentioned. So if you're itching to learn more, you're in for a treat. Before we hear from Anna, I want to share an Apple podcast review with you. DJ TMJ left five stars and wrote, My new favorite podcast, perfect length, insightful host, peppy slash catchy intro song, and looking forward to new drops on Mondays, especially tips for the holiday anti-chubbies push. (laughs) That last part made me laugh. Thank you for your kind words. If you haven't done so already, I'd really appreciate it if you could spend two minutes drafting up an honest review after you listen to this episode, or even right this second so you don't forget. Each review is like gold in podcast land, so thank you in advance. Okay, let's hear from the woman who has taught me that not all recipes are time-intensive and obnoxious. Hi. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing, you deserve to feel amazing. But here's the other thing, there are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm gonna share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, because I wanna help you get healthy for good, without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one, so visit the show notes to book your free consultation and don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for being on the health investment podcast today. It's really a treat to have you here.
1: Well, Brooke, thank you for having me. Hello. Hello.
0: Hello. Well, I was just kind of mentioning to you, um, and then we were getting carried away with ourselves before starting recording. Yes, we were. But <laughs> um, yeah, I was explaining to you that as my followers and friends and family know, I'm kind of a self-proclaimed non-chef and a recipe <laughs> hater because I find most of them to be way too complicated, and especially on a weeknight, I'm not interested in buying tons of ingredients. You so know, I'm going to interview
1: store. you for a second and say, so what – What? but let, let's take it eat happy and eat happy too out of the equation and cookbooks and because you don't like recipes. They're, and by the way, there's a reason for this and I, I get it and we're I, I would love to talk about that. But what is it that you would make? Do you just make some stuff from memory? Do you just make stuff pre- – Yeah, very
0: – Yeah, I say I kind of more go by templates. Yeah. So I'll – I love doing sheet pan meals. Yes. So just chopping up a bunch of vegetables and dousing them in some olive oil and throwing some chicken breasts on a sheet pan and then calling it a day. Right. Or okay.
1: Okay. That makes sense. We eat a sense. lot of
0: eggs. We sure. We eat, you know, like breakfast for dinner without the pancakes and the waffles or whatever. But we eat right. a lot of eggs or like omelets for dinner. Um, I don't know. I've started making soups. I used to be kind of intimidated by soups, but I just- steam a lot of vegetables and then throw them into a pot with some bone broth and use an immersion blender. I mean, I'm like very, very basic stuff, but that's why- Well,
1: you're still Uh, cooking then at home. You just don't want to be you know, hoodwinked by a recipe that's going to take you down this hour and a half long adventure. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, that didn't even work. Why did I even do that?
0: Exactly. Right. And so that's always been my kind of struggle is that I really do believe in the power of cooking at home. And I think- a lot of people can improve their health when they do so. But I don't like the idea that cooking at home equals, oh, I have to make these exhausting recipes and I have right. to spend forty five minutes in the kitchen. So that's totally. what I love about you. And I've given your cookbook actually away multiple times. To oh well, thank full disclosure. you. Full disclosure right Thank now, I don't you. even have my own copy because I keep giving my personal copies to people.
1: Oh, my God. Well, I have to, I'll send you a copy. Give oh, a, that's you really Email me nice. your address that's... and I will send you a copy. Absolutely. Oh, that's super
0: nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would just love to know your story and what got you on this cookbook track. To me, that sounds obviously super intimidating, but I'd love to know how you got there.
1: Well, it is interesting because I, I always like to ask people. I, I love to hear people. I'm like a salesperson and I love to hear your objections because I know... I've now heard everything every every everybody's pain points in the kitchen. Right. So it actually sounds like you have a pretty good grasp of things and and you're you're actually like <laughs> where I was several years ago was this place where I knew how to cook. I knew how to work with at least certain foods, maybe not all the foods. And you know, we're lucky enough in American grocery stores at least that most of the meats you buy are pretty well prepared. It's not like you have to like butcher anything. We're right. pretty well, you know, that maybe like cutting vegetables and prepping vegetables. You know, you kind of learn that as you go along. And I would get so perplexed by I'd see this beautiful recipe in like O Magazine or Martha Stewart Magazine or something like that. And I'd be like, I'm going to make that. And then I would make it and I'd be like, why isn't it working? I know how to follow directions. I'm very good at this. And then as I got better and better at cooking and started writing my own recipes, I started to go, wait, I can see where this recipe won't work. I can see the, the step where it falls apart from the O Magazine recipe yeah, and where you need to fill in the gaps where they should have been clearer or something doesn't set up and work because they have their proportions off. And then I come to find out much later after writing two cookbooks that there's a lot that goes on in the recipe world of, first of all, there's all sorts of practices like let's just write one up cook it enough or at least style it enough to make it look cooked, take a picture of it and get the content going because they don't have a lot of time. So it's not like they're testing these recipes or they'll say, oh, you know what? We could just make it, but say, uh, you know, uh, a quarter cup of this instead of a half a cup of that. And Hmm. they'll change it. The, the written word, but never actually remake it and they'll publish it. And this happens actually a lot in the books when you see so-and-so has so many cookbooks out and they put them one cookbook out every year and it has 150 recipes in it. They're a machine and things like that are happening. So that's why I think that the ratings are important when you go to like all recipes and you see, yeah. you know, the the this one just didn't work. I don't quite know why this one works perfectly and it works for inexperienced Chefs as well. So, for me, an overall goal that I have, well, I have an overall goal of just getting everybody back into the kitchen. So, when I talk to you, I'm not like, I don't have to be like, Brooke, stop buying the pre prepared food, stop doing takeout. I don't have to have that conversation with you, but I have to have the conversation of you need to learn to trust yourself because you actually already know how to make a lot of stuff. So, I appreciate that you're able to read my recipes and interpret them and make them because. I really wanted to write recipes that are clear for people who don't know how to cook.
0: Yeah. And I think the other really cool thing when I first, you know, I like how you give the little intro to eat happy. And when I was first reading it, you give the reader permission to swap ingredients. Yes. And that really resonated with me because coming from this place where I felt really a lack of confidence in the kitchen. I thought, mm-hmm. whoa, I could actually, you know, if I don't love this piece of it, I can swap ingredients. They're more, you're kind of giving suggestions and templates, but you can really yes. feel that your goal is to make it so accessible for people to get people back in the kitchen. That's so clear coming from, I haven't looked at your second book, but yeah, but definitely your first yes, Yes.
1: They're both, they're both written with that same kind of format. And I do encourage substitutions and, and because if you think about this, a lot of cooking, and a lot of uh, American cuisine is very much rooted and based in French cuisine, which is very much a quote unquote peasant cuisine, which is what do we have in the larder that needs to be cooked before it's going to go absolutely bad. And that's some of how like the most favorite French dishes of all time, like beef bourguignon or any soup, you know, mm-hmm. is taking seasonal things that are you literally they're about these leeks are about to go bad and so are these potatoes let's make some vichyssoise you know right, like things right. like that and and a lot of it's just made out of necessity and then there are certain obviously certain flavor profiles that work well together like i love lemon and oregano and generally that's going to give me a greek vibe because they use a lot of lemon and oregano very well in greek cuisine and so you know you can kind of like start to get these templates okay well I have a flank steak and I can, I have, I have a lemon in there and I have some oregano. Okay, cool. I at least have the base things to make the the Greek flank steak, roasted flank steak recipe and eat happy. So there's a lot of like recurring themes. And then if you don't have flank steak, but let's say, what do you have? Uh, you have a piece of salmon on hand. Great. You can still make that recipe. You're not going to, you could grill it on the grill, but maybe you'll just roast it in the oven. All I'm trying to say is like people need to be a lot less afraid of doing yeah. things like that. And if you make a mistake, at least the template of the recipe will keep the flavor right, there. Right. <laughs> Whereas maybe maybe it kind of falls apart, but you can still eat it. I don't know. I I just I want people to get in there and experiment and ha- have confidence because my overall message that I have with Vinny is we both are like, you guys know more than you think. Yeah. We all know more than we think. And the diet industry really wants us to feel like we don't know anything so that we're on the teat of the diet industry, yeah. constantly buying whatever new product that, that they have and potions and and powders and diet drinks and yada 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 to make us think we don't know what we're doing. Make sure you count everything. Count it precisely because you don't know what you're doing. You're not to be trusted, you little child. Right. And you know what? We actually do know what we're doing. And our biggest message has been move your body and cut out sugars and grains and somehow we've been saying variations of that for 8 years now. But we it's not complicated.
0: Yeah, well what you said just reminds me of when I first met my husband, he's actually a very skilled kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't call him a chef maybe, but um, you know, in the kitchen, he knows how to put things together very intuitively and can whip something up. So that was even more intimidating to me that he was making these crazy things. But, oh, but
1: how nice to be married to someone who doesn't.
0: That actually is the other. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Why don't I just not ever cook? Um, But then at a certain point, he would say to me, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I mean, the chicken will be dry or something, you know, it's not like cooking and having a minor fail. It's not like there's going to be some trauma. I mean, the worst that can happen is it doesn't taste amazing, but then you live and you learn and then you change next time. And then as you go on, you grow your confidence and you get more
1: skilled. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would, I, we've gotten so far away from like, a lot of people have these beautiful stories like, oh, my grandmother was always in the kitchen. Yeah. Or my, you know, my aunt, the aunties would be in the kitchen and the thing, or my, my, my dad was a chef so he could always come home and make a thing out of nothing. You know, (laughs) right, right. that was, none of that was my, I do not have a romantic story. I don't have, you know, I had a single mom and I had to fend for myself and I would watch Julia child on PBS because PBS was the only channel I was allowed to watch, even though I, I didn't—I was a latchkey kid and I didn't realize that, like, I could change the channel. Oh. <laughs> she wasn't there. Like, I don't know why. I was like, I'm only allowed to watch PBS. I was right. such a rule follower even when I was little that I did not change the channel when I very well could have and just watched Woody Woodpecker. But instead, <laughs> I, I watched uh, Julia Child and I remember thinking, oh, gosh, if only we had, you know, a chicken to roast. Yeah. You know? But instead we had Steakums in the freezer which you're probably too young to know what Steakums are, but they were like this nasty, like thin- It sounds nasty. <laughs> product, if yeah. so it does.
0: Uh, so well, yeah. I mean, even also something you said made me think of all of these meal prep services that have popped up. Yes. That to me is kind of also the diet industry or just people making us think you need to buy this little package where we've put all the yeah. salt and pepper into little I things mean- for you.
1: I get that as far as convenience, I would rather hear somebody say, "Yeah, I'm using one of those Hello Fresh type right, of things," right. than ordering takeout every I night, agree. Not yeah. sure. But yeah, I think I think it's like a stage thing, and maybe maybe the the using one of those services will help people to go, "Oh, you know what? I think I can just buy this myself." Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, so I think it ends now. up being
0: no. way more complicated.
1: It does, and 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 you don't need to complicate things. And if you, you know, my grocery list. Is actually almost non-existent unless there's something, one of my staples that's out that I need to get because I just go and buy whatever I'm in the mood to buy and then I'll throw things together.
0: Exactly. And then
1: when something turns out so great, uh, like the uh, my husband's having been having to eat only chicken as his only protein for a couple of weeks, <laughs> it's the whole thing. And um, <laughs> so I was like, great, you know, give me the chicken challenge. And I was like, you know what? I've never made chicken burgers, and I invented these chicken burgers that were off the hook. They were so good. And so then I'll write them down and photograph it when it becomes a recipe, and then I'll continue to remake that to make sure that I've done it right.
0: Oh, right. Um, so-, so now that's
1: kind of where my my uh, recipe writing process is. It com- It's all driven out of my real life.
0: That's so interesting. So yeah, the title of Eat Happy is Gluten-Free, Grain-Free, Low-Carb Recipes for a Joyful Life. So, can you explain why you chose to do gluten free, grain free, low carb?
1: Yes. Well, first of all, I chose some really rich rich keywords so that people could find my books on Amazon. I
0: know all about keywords. Excellent job.
1: (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) keywords are very important. Although I will say, I got kickback from Amazon Kindle because I put uh, "Eat Happy 2 Kindle went on sale. This is like um, three weeks ago. Yeah. And, and they, they rejected, I had had keywords in there for years that were copied and pasted from the first book and they rejected because I had the word free in them and you're not allowed to put words like free or bestseller or the, so I had to write them a note and be like, no, it's gluten free. Like that's a thing. Right. I'm not saying like, this is a free book. I'm saying it's gluten free. Anyway, just fun with Amazon. (laughs) I have so much fun with them. (laughs) Um, We need Amazon. Well, you have to have Amazon. You cannot not sell on Amazon. But it's sometimes you feel like you're taking crazy pills when you're yeah. doing Amazon. But anyway, I was diagnosed with celiac disease in 2002, and so I I started food blogging almost immediately because I went through what I like to call the temper tantrum, which is being very angry that I couldn't have gluten anymore because that's the only, diet the only. Prescription for maintenance for celiac, no cure. You'll always have the autoimmune, but the only prescription for maintenance is to not have gluten, because then you'll calm your immune system down. And I've since found out that for me, it's also dairy. It's dairy and gluten that activates the immune system response, and my inflammation markers go way down, and my my gut tests come back way better when I'm not having gluten and dairy. That being said, I never, ever, ever have gluten and I will have dairy if I'm like doing a splurge, but I I willingly know that I'm hurting myself.
0: Right. Which so. I think is just, you know, as long as you know that and you know how it reacts
1: with your body. It's literally like birthday and Christmas kind of thing. Exactly. But, but so I originally went gluten-free and then I started blogging recipes in my temper tantrum phase because I was upset that I couldn't have pizza and cupcakes and key lime pie and all those things that everybody else could have. And I remember- eating like a sleeve of JoJo's right before I was diagnosed. You know, JoJo's, those Trader Joe's Oreos? Yeah, yeah, And by the way, I was always a size two or four, tiny. I was always so tiny and so thin. And I was eating a sleeve of JoJo's at 20, 27 or 28 and a two-year-old running around the house. And I was like, I swear, a doctor would have to tell me to stop eating cookies. Like, I cannot <laughs> stop <laughs> eating cookies. <laughs> and then that's what happened, so... <laughs> sometimes you manifest those things. <laughs> right, right. So aside and, Oh, sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, no, I was just going to say and then and then I started I guess I started digesting nutrients for the first time in my life when I gave up gluten and the immune system reaction was calmed down. Right. And uh but I also started putting on weight. And yeah. that was not fun. And so I'm sure it was a combination of like when you get into your 30s and your body changes, but also like digesting nutrients for the first time. Um in my entire life, yeah, well.
0: that's incredible. Uh,
1: that changes things, but also all the gluten-free baking. If I'm baking something, I'm going to eat it, and then it just starts. You know, it's sugars and grains. Just because right. I gave up gluten doesn't mean that I'm going to lose weight. And in fact, for me, I gained weight a lot. That that's a that's a common misconception. Of I'm going to go gluten-free and I'm going to lose weight, not necessarily. Some right. people actually gain weight, and actually, a lot of people gain weight so right. And there's so food. many
0: skews now of gluten free junk food, too, it's even oh, more so than when you were everything first, well, I when
1: I was diagnosed, I remember there's this brand of cookie, and I wish I could remember what it was because I would call them out. It was seventeen dollars for a bag of the nastiest chocolate mm. chip cookie you've ever had. It was nasty. It was like a it was like a pecan sandy. It was like a dirt sandy. With, like, some sugar in it. Like, it was disgusting. Ugh, so and gross. It was $17 and the stuff like that. And I was like, screw these people. I'm going to make my own and post the recipes. Right. And then I, you know, gained weight and was I, – I got, I got better in some ways, but then I was still sick. And it wasn't until two, 2012 when I started podcasting with Vinny and he said he has NSNG, no sugars, no grains – uh, that that it, a light bulb went off and I was like, oh! And so I changed all of my existing recipes to be NSNG, put them in the cookbook, and wrote new ones. And and I'm I guess I'm OCD because I can't stop writing recipes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think that's amazing though. Um, and you have some on your blog as well, right?
1: Oh yeah, I have lots on my blog. And in fact, if you sign up for my mailing list, I have a whole sampler from the first book. Uh, cause a lady wrote me the other day, and she was like, "I got your books, but I I, I need to I, I I signed up and it didn't work. And send me that thing. I need to get started right away." I'm like, "Okay, girl. Here you go. <laughs> get it. <laughs> yeah, here it is. I got you. Okay. You go 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 go. No. go to the grocery store.
0: <laughs> well, that's great. We'll I'll definitely put links to where people can find all of these things. Great. So, Thank you. aside from being your recipes being gluten free and grain free and low carb, what other priorities do you have? Would you say when you're recipe creating?
1: Well, I mean, my audience is a NSNG slash low carb audience, so that's a consideration. And there, there are some things that I have just not been able to replicate. Some things, like I have lots of pizza crust recipes that seems to be easy. There's, there's two in the first two, yeah, two in the first book and one in the second book. Homemade marinara. Um, like s- s- chicken parm. Th- there are a lot of things that are easily replicatable with low lower carb options. Like almond flour is a good coating that you can use instead of dredging stuff in flour. Um, but then there's some applications that don't quite work. Like you will never have a low carb puff pastry. It just won't happen.
0: Right. And so
1: the thing is that it, I try to provide a really wide variety of recipes, but there are some things that it <laughs> can't be done. But yeah. then again, don't eat puff pastry because that's what got us into trouble in the place. <laughs> right, right. It's a treat. It's a treat. You know what I mean? And like, you know. And then the, the other thing is I do provide a wide variety of recipes and it's very interesting because when people, again, we're such, it's, it's so dogmatic with the diet industry and they've mm-hmm. trained us to think black and white. It's got to be binary and it actually isn't once you cut out sugars and grains and you're eating vegetables and meats and then the occasional nut things or the occasional fruit or the occasional and i say occasional because it really is occasional if you're going if you go low carb but all day long you're eating apples and those cutie oranges right you're still hooked on sugar you mm-hmm. got to take a look at that but it's a process and it's okay right. like just be easy about it because people write me, and I do I do actually read all the feedback, or most of it, at least, and, and people, several people wrote me, I don't like cauliflower mash. It just, cauliflower is gross. I can still taste it, blah, 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 you know, because cauliflower is a cruciferous vegetable and it has that good old-fashioned fart smell that it releases when right. it cooks because um, it's higher in sulfur. So I, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, let me think of some alternatives. And I come up with a parsnip puree. I come up with a sweet potato mash. And so I post, let's say I'll post it on, on Twitter and it will get quite a storm of responses. Parsnips are higher in carbs and that's ridiculous. And what are you doing? And I, and I just, I shake my head and then I go, it's okay. When you've calmed down from having it to be, you know, having it have to be so binary. Yeah. And then you're able to trust yourself enough. Like I could make a parsnip puree and have a few bites, and it's not going to kill me. Because none of us got to where we are because we overate parsnip puree. Let's exactly, be honest. Exactly. <laughs> and right. That's not what did it. Yeah, and we all know it.
0: I know, but that that does get crazy. Of you know, people who lock themselves into these labels. You know, yes. I think that labels can be helpful to you know NSNG was very helpful for me because it's very clear cut and it got me. Into a much healthier place. Yes. But then I've, you know, tried different whole grains. Like I can do okay sometimes with rice. I'm not eating it all the time. Or I do better with starchier vegetables than maybe some people do. Sure. Um, my husband definitely does better eating more fat. Whereas if I just eat a meal, you know, if he cooks an omelet with bacon and the grease and just all this fat, I'll feel gross afterwards. So it's like you have to kind of figure out for yourself. And then I think you have to be willing in five to 10 years to even change that. I mean, our bodies sure. are always changing. And Absolutely. I just think it's so problematic when people lock themselves into any black and white thinking. And I do
1: too. And, and that's where I kind of differ with some of the philosophy because I'm not as stringent about things like fruit. Now, that being said, you, I'll, you know, we'll make an entire pork tenderloin recipe that's actually a pretty fatty recipe. Um, but the throughout the whole thing is a is a quarter of a cup of dried cranberries or craisins or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's distributed so evenly throughout the thing, it's not it's not gonna spike. It doesn't spike my blood sugar because I've done the blood sugar tests. However, right. if somebody has a medical issue with that, don't just don't put the cranberries in. But it it is an interesting thing that's up for debate and I and I really really just want to I will continue to give a variety of recipes now that being said somebody posted the other day in my Facebook group that they had just got my book they were so excited and they made the first book they got and they made the cheesecake tart which has coconut sugar in it and uh but they were brand new to doing NSNG and I was like wait 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 don't get the cookbook and you're just starting this thing and you've got a bunch of weight to lose. And the first thing you make is one of the recipes that I say very clearly is supposed to be a treat and you make that with sugar in it. So like you got to pay attention and you have to be aware um, of where you're on the journey. And I always say, if you're going to go NSNG, I always say, try to do 60 days. And it Mm. seems like that's insane, but 60 days, what it does is it makes you go, hold on. First of all, can I even do something for sixty days so you'll you'll have a tremendous sense of accomplishment if you don't have one bite of sugar and grain for sixty days. Number two, it will reset your brain right. and your habits and you wanting to reach for the piece of chocolate you you you'll have new it gives you time to reestablish stuff. so yes, physically you're gonna have new hormonal patterns that are much more beneficial to your uh food progress, but you're also gonna unearth a lot of behavioral patterns and paradigms. And you're going to go, oh my God, I didn't even realize on day 40, you're going to go, I didn't even realize that I just walk over to the fridge and I open it all the time to like poke around in it. Or I got an email that irritated me. So I walked over to the fridge to open it and eat something. And then you go, oh wait, I'm not even hungry because I've been doing NSNG why did I walk over here? Oh yeah, I just got that email. You know what? I never put that together. When I get cranky or when I get an email that irritates me, I walk over to the fridge. And open- you know what I mean? It takes that yeah. kind of unfurling, the peeling back of the layers of the onion. I'm really all over the place today, but you're just- I No, you're your making passion. total sense.
0: <laughs> no, you're making- I mean, I completely agree. And that's why NSNG really helped me um, years ago to kind of get back on track. And I thought I would feel good before that. You know, you wake up one day and you think, oh, I feel pretty good today. But I had no idea that even when I felt good, when I was eating a diet centered on processed foods and grains and sugar, I didn't feel good at all. Right. I mean, I did not realize how great I could feel. And then that's the other thing I think is I don't come from a place of restriction. I don't fear any food. So if I go out and I end up eating family style at a restaurant with friends and people right. order pasta, I'll have some. Right, right. But it's like you with the dairy. I mean, I feel really gross. And <laughs> right. I just accept that, you know, and yes. I don't feel guilty about and, it or shameful. I just think, okay. And you get
1: Right back on yeah. track, the immediate next meal. And I think yeah. that's the other thing too, is, is we're so hooked into diet mentality. We're so used to diets having to be, you're either on or you're completely off. And, 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 and instead of just going, no, 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 next meal, the very next meal, the very next thing you put in your mouth, go back to eating real food and cut out the sugars and grains. That's it. That's all it is. And then you'll find how easy it is to continue because it's like, well, I already had the pasta last night with my friends and then, you know, my daughter's in town. So, and she had a gluten-free waffle that I had a bite of. So, all right, well, I guess I won't start again until Monday. And I go, no, 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 Start right now. Start right now. (laughs) And, and it, when you and think
0: okay. about it, and we eat so many times a day.
1: We really do. I mean,
0: do. every bite is a chance to turn it around, right? Yes, it's not, you don't have sure. to wait until Monday or a new year for a new resolution. I mean, you can just any day decide to change. Somebody
1: somebody did write in the Facebook group, and I, th- I think they had to turn comments off. Uh, she, she, look, To me, it was obvious she was new. She wrote, "I, I ate spaghetti squash. I'm so bad. I can't believe I did that.
0: What?
1: I know. It's freaking, but that's oh. that shows how confused people are and yeah. how much they want to label things that oh if it's not a leafy green I should be beating myself up over oh, it. it's but,
0: so sad. I
1: know. And so it was like no 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 and they had to turn off comments because then of course people were
0: <laughs> like Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> saying all kinds of things. And sometimes, some of it sarcastically or as a joke when I'm like I, she's not going to get your humor because she thinks Right. I mean she, she actually herself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the poor thing. Well, we're used so to punishing she... ourselves. That's we what we're are, used to I know. doing.
0: That's what I did for years.
1: Yeah. It was, yeah. Oh, I always said, and this was going to be the title of my TED Talk, is Hate Yourself Thin. The diet industry, if the diet industry can get you to hate yourself enough and to believe that you can be thin by doing it, then you'll keep buying their BS.
0: Hmm.
1: When are you going to do that TED Talk? I'm going to do it, girl. You really
0: should. I mean, you would, it would go viral.
1: It would. It would. It would.
0: Well, I better see that within the next okay. month cuz I can't oh, wait a
1: month. Good Lord, yeah. you're tight <laughs> on deadlines.
0: Okay, all right, with by the end of the year, by the okay, end great. of the year. Okay, uh, yeah, So what about the person, I hear this a lot of, I don't have time to cook.
1: <laughs> what would you tell that? Remember, person? remember it I listen, I'm a child of the 80s and a teenager of the and in my 20s of the 90s, and so I remember it was that was the excuse for exercise in the eighties and nineties. I don't have time. Who has time to work out? If somebody said that now you'd be like, you don't have time to not work out. Like you have to do it. Right. And so food is now the, the next thing of like, I don't have time to, to cook healthy. I don't have time to get in the kitchen and make stuff. And I, you know, there's practical tips or, or afford it. You know, right. That was literally my next question.
0: It's too expensive, it's too time consuming. Too
1: expensive, it's too time consuming. And what I would tell you is yes, there are tricks and tips that I can give you to save time and save money in the kitchen. Which, first of all, I always say, number one, buy the food that you can buy that's affordable to you and is within your reach. Some people can afford grass fed beef and organic vegetables, good for them. But if you can't, I don't care. Just get the food that's affordable to you, that's available in your grocery store. Some grocery stores have all the things, some don't. And I've been in all kinds of grocery stores. Um, Number two, if you practically want to save money, stick to things like ground meat, Um, stick to things like uh, whatever. At Ralph's, I know they always do the the meat closeout, which means you have like Mm -hmm. a day left on it. Mm -hmm. So get that and then freeze it. Right. You know, get, get the stuff that's on clothes out. I mean, listen, if you're on a budget, you're generally pretty good about saving money. You already know the tricks. Now you just have to apply those tricks to buying fresher foods. And, right.
0: And a lot oh, of processed food is super expensive.
1: It is super expensive. And it's a bummer that like sugars and grains are subsidized by our government. So they're yeah. always less expensive than fresh vegetables. Yeah. But, um, you know- Uh, you can do it. You can figure it out. I have women in my Facebook group who are the mothers of, you know, four to six children and they're able to do it. And I'm like, if they can do it, You could do it with your family of three. I had to do it because here's the other thing. For a while, I was making three dinners: one for my husband, one for my picky daughter, and one for me. And that's too expensive, right there. You're you're doing food that's too time consuming. But here's the other thing, and and nobody believes me until they get sick. Nobody believes me until they have a monthly insulin bill or medication. But Mm. spending and prioritizing this a little more money. You wouldn't say now like, "Oh, I'm not going to spend money on the gym because you know you have to go to the gym or whatever mm-hmm. your exercise thing is. You know you have to do it." But now you have to do this with the food. You just do. You have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it for your children, you have to do it for yourself. I promise you. Because like I, I well, listen, my one of my best friends, she's a type 1 diabetic. She has an insulin pump. She has an insulin bill that is it's insane and then she decided to go low carb keto nsng whatever you want to call it and she working with her doctor of course but which please if you have type 1 diabetes please don't like go rogue and do this without your doctor right right um but she was able to cut her insulin she doesn't have regular insurance so she's got to pay cash for her insulin mm. um but she was able to cut it in half wow that's it. That, and right there, I'm like, well, there you go. Like, yeah. yes, you you will spend a little more money to buy uh, fresh food, but there you go. If you have to buy frozen vegetables, fine, buy frozen vegetables. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. But just if you prioritize this, you'll find some other pieces falling into place.
0: Yeah. And I think the other part, you giving per- people permission to swap ingredients. I know for a while before I really understood that I could do that, I would waste a lot of fresh produce because I would buy stuff for one recipe and then I wouldn't end up, I would use it for that recipe, but then I'd have all this leftover and then it would end up going bad. So I was wasting a lot of money buying things for specific recipes. So that's the thing. It's like, if you call, if it calls for Brussels sprouts, but you have green beans on hand, right? you don't have to go out and buy new produce, try just swapping nope. out that vegetable. Try swapping
1: it out. See right. what happens. Listen, and th- we all have done that. We've all done that. Like, oh God, when you just, you went to the grocery store with the best of ambitions and then you're, you find yourself throwing out like $20 worth of vegetables. Yeah. And cause they all went bad and you have got to check in with your fridge, don't be afraid of it. Don't be, don't do that thing where you're like, well, I'm just not going to look at it until it all goes bad. Yeah, to throw yeah. it out. No, like, no, put it, wrap it up and put it in your freezer then. Cause you can use that for soups. You can use yeah. that down the line. So here's the other thing. When people tell me they can't afford something that's as important as the food they're putting in their body on a daily basis. Listen, we all have places where we hemorrhage cash. Okay. Yeah. Whether it's a $7, fancy drink at starbucks or it's the the the, whatever it is what amazon shopping addiction oh i have to get the thing you know what we all do that it's part of our it's ingrained into american culture where we all complain about how we don't have enough money and then we go hemorrhage cash somewhere stupid yeah so you're an adult if you really want to prioritize this, you're going to have to look at those areas in your life where you could, okay, maybe I don't need to have this thing off of Amazon right away. Right. Maybe I can use, allocate that towards this. And we all have, we're all grown ups, and we all have to make those choices. Also too, just a practical tip is anything that you cook on the stovetop is going to be way faster than anything you make in the oven. Hmm. Okay, so just stovetop cooking. If, if you're in a rush, you that's that's why Rachel Ray made a whole empire off of thirty minute meals. Was it Rachel Ray?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I think
1: so. yeah. She made a whole empire off thirty minute meals because people are are pressed for time, and you can do a thirty minute meal without all the processed foods that Rachel Ray uses. You can do it with fresh foods. Yeah, you can do twenty minute meals. You can cook stuff stovetop. Right. You just you just gotta have the food in the fridge that you can throw it on the stove.
0: Yeah, I still also have kind of a mental block being the. Lazy kitchen person, I am about the whole like health and wellness meal prep thing, and everybody will spend an entire Sunday of portioning out all these little things. I mean, I'm never gonna do that. So, one thing I like to do,
1: those folks are my heroes.
0: Oh, I know. I mean, that's great that they do that, but that's not me. So, the way I meal prep is I just make extra for dinner. Maybe I'll double something I'm making, and then I have leftovers for lunch or even for dinner the next night. So, then talking about time saving. You're going to yeah. be making it once and you don't have to set aside a whole Sunday. I mean, I think that seems very daunting.
1: Do you find too that in a way you eat less eating this way? Like Yeah, por- you mean just portion because wise,
0: I'm satiated
1: or? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I find portion-wise I I don't even eat as much as as I do before. However, Yes, I I like the, the doubling the whatever the thing is, and then you know you'll have it for lunch the next day. I love doing that. I I food doesn't make it into the freezer unless I know it's bones to make broth with. Mm. I we we eat everything pretty much. Yeah, like, we do. I live too. with an eater. He's an eater. This man can eat. Good lord.
0: Well, yeah, I just also hate wasting food with a passion, and yeah. my husband does too. So I'm glad we're aligned on that. So I mean. Yeah. We'll make some really weird stuff when st- leftover,
1: when- <laughs> like a, I call it hash. No matter what, I was like, yeah. I don't know, we're having hash. Yep. We just take whatever's in there, chop it up, and heat it up in the pan. And that, or, that's hash and we're eating yep. it.
0: Or I love having, I mean, you don't do dairy, but like a cheese board with all the little rinds and oh, leftovers of sure. the cheese mm. and then chopping up some vegetables and throwing it on there. I mean, we'll just eat. Sometimes Those? I call that snack dinner. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. The cheese rinds also make really good uh, to throw into your broth. Oh. You can throw like a, a hard Parmesan rind in there.
0: See, it's now I've good. never made broth myself. Do you think that's oh, pretty it easy? It
1: is so easy okay. and and a great way to repurpose like any steak bone or chicken bone that or pork bone that I have. I throw in a Ziploc freezer bag. And in fact, today I'm going to make some because I have two chicken carcasses in there um, and I'm going to make two rounds of broth. Cause you just throw that in and then whatever I, I try to put in, chop up an old onion, a little bit of old celery, or like if you have leek or garlic, and then you throw in a bunch of, uh, if you have any herbs, cause we all usually, we're all optimistic with herbs right. or we buy the herbs and the, we have time. Time lasts a really long time. Right. Oh, and I so you get that. time and, uh, and you're like, I, I'm going to use this for a recipe and you spend $3 on that plastic clamshell of thyme, you know? Right. And then you're like, three weeks later, you're like, crap, I like didn't use that. That's a perfect thing to throw in the broth.
0: Huh. Like, so go can you also in- freeze herbs before they go back? Yeah,
1: of course. Okay. Of course. You totally could. Absolutely. So you could freeze and- herbs,
0: freeze vegetables even, freeze bones, and then yeah. throw it all into a pot with water? Yep
1: with water and then do it like a tablespoon of any kind of vinegar. I usually use apple cider vinegar. That just helps break down the the collagen and the bones of the bones. Okay. And uh, And I use my instant pot for that. Oh. You could do a slow cooker and do it. You could do beef bones for up to 24 hours in a slow cooker, but I generally do, if I do beef bones in a slow cooker, I'll do six to eight hours. Hmm. And if I do chicken, I'll do four to six hours. This is on high. Or I'll do the instant pot.
0: Okay. What about just a great. stock pot? Can you do that?
1: You can, but that requires being at home and monitoring yeah. it. You don't want to leave the house. That's if true. You, if you have to leave the house, then use a slow cooker or an instant pot. Or what, the new one is the Ninja Foodie. Everyone's telling me to get oh. that one.
0: So you just simmer it. Like if I were to do it in a stock pot and I were home, bring, bring it to boil.
1: Oh, put plenty of oil. salt and pepper in there okay. as well. Um, yeah. It, there's Excuse me.
0: <coughs> there's what? a recipe
1: in the first Eat Happy for. The basic chicken broth. Yeah. um, And you can use that or chicken stock or bone broth, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same. It's all the same recipe. It's just stock. So, and by the way, I think it used to be stock was actually bone broth Uh, and broth was something else where it was made from other things. Yeah. But uh, now it's called bone broth, but it's just all it is is chicken stock made from bones. So let it, bring it to a boil and then let it simmer. And, and then, let it cook as, as long as you want.
0: Yeah. What's the part that people why do people say it's so complicated or time intensive or
1: I don't oh just because it it's just because it has to cook for a little while to really get the flavors out.
0: Is there some type of skimming?
1: Oh yeah, you could skim, yeah, you could skim the fat off the top because sometimes it'll like get bubbly and fatty. Oh for sure. That
0: but but yeah I mean hard.
1: you know <laughs> no, you're taking the foam, not the fat. Yeah. You're taking the, it foams. Okay. You could take that off. But it's huh. honestly I don't know why people say, Oh, it's so time consuming. I'm like, what?
0: Yeah, but What's you're not, not. I think something when I'm time hands-on is different than something just simmering. I could
1: exactly. Just That's what I never understood simmer. about that. Yeah, and and I will say then anything that you make that requires beef broth or chicken broth in the recipe, which by the way they're kind of interchangeable. Um, if it, you put that homemade in, it's like a whole other level because mm-hmm. you know the boxed broths they don't have much flavor, right? At all, right? I don't like it. I like the homemade. And you can freeze the broth if you think your broth is going to go bad.
0: Right. People
1: I know freeze them into like different sections, like compartments. Some people put them in like ice cube trays. Yeah, I've
0: seen that. Like the large ice cube trays.
1: I have frozen coffee into ice cubes and I did it in this, the beautiful ice cube tray that does the beautiful big square ice cubes with the silicone tray. (laughs) And I still do it, but it's a mess. Coffee ice cubes are a mess. Yeah, my however it makes obs- your iced coffee better.
0: It does. My husband's obsessed with cold brew coffee, and he mm-hmm, did that once mm-hmm. before. And I opened up the freezer, and there were it was just brown everywhere. I was like, "What's going on in it's here?" It's
1: it's it gets all over your hands. It's a mess. Yeah, it is a mess. <laughs> but it, 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 it it's better than putting regular ice cubes. In yeah, I
0: agree. No, that's another good hack. Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered thrivemarket.com. Thrive Market is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything, delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. What are your favorite recipes from your cookbooks? What are your go-tos?
1: Um, You know, oh gosh, that's hard. Well, we're in winter now, so I'll make the Pittsburgh chili... And by the way, I make my it says Pittsburgh turkey chili because at the time I was making it with ground turkey a lot. Now I make it with ground grass fed beef because that's available now. It didn't used to be available. Right. And uh, it's available and very similarly priced to the regular ground beef, at least where I live. Yeah. So it's you know what I mean? So things change and things evolve. I I always make the Pittsburgh chili. Um I'm gonna make that. Uh I'm gonna gosh. What am I? Oh, you know what I'm gonna do the the mini meatballs that are in Eat Happy 2, I'm making those today. I think I might even film a video of it. Mm. Um, I I make meatloaf all the time. I do a lot of here. Here are the let me just say this. Here are the cuts of meat that I buy okay. on the regs, and then I can make all kinds of things out of them. Bone in, skin on chicken thigh. Okay. Boneless skinless chicken thigh. And I say those two different kinds because it depends on which grocery store I go to. Because I have a hard time finding bone in skin on chicken thighs at my regular Ralph's. They only seem to have it at Whole Foods. So then I buy the boneless and I can make all kinds of things. If I'm going to make a chicken soup or a chicken tikka masala, um, I buy steaks. I love ribeye steaks. Those are my favorites. I will try to always have a couple on hand or a couple that I can like defrost because I love to grill steaks. I will buy um, some sort of roasted beef or pork. Uh, uh, I'll either get a pork shoulder or pork butt because in that way, I know how I can make my carnitas or um, what's it called? Oh my God, I'm spacing out. Mm. Carnitas, oh, pulled pork. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I will buy, or I'll buy like a a regular like chuck roast and just make like a pot roast or the portobello beef and mushroom stew or uh, pork tenderloin because my favorite pork tenderloin recipe is in the new book. And, you know, I just know that if I buy certain cuts of meat, I can make things. I always, let's see, hold on, I'm flipping through because I want to make sure. Oh yeah, chili. So I always buy some sort of ground beef or ground turkey or ground chicken, depending on what they have on hand. And uh, pork chops are another one that I know I can make a killer pork chop no matter what. So So do you usually – Go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
0: Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Do you usually freeze some of the beef or do you keep it all
1: fresh? I I will freeze stuff if I know I'm not going to use it within three days. Oh, three days. Okay. That's right. And then I – for vegetables, I always buy either butter lettuce or red leaf lettuce because my husband loves a salad with every meal. Mm-hmm. And so I'll always buy that. I I'll generally have a sweet potato on hand. We probably my husband and I split a sweet potato maybe like once a week, maybe mm-hmm. a little less often, or, or an acorn squash or some butternut squash. I will always have either broccoli, kale, not really kale so much. I don't I'm not a huge kale person. I like broccoli, I like cauliflower, I like um zucchini, I like squash. I can red pepper and onion. Those are like kind of the five vegetables that I keep on hand. Yeah, and then I can always make something with that.
0: Yeah, I think onions are so underrated, or maybe they aren't.
1: Onions are like a flavor base of so many things, and they're so good. Yeah, and then if and then I like to buy stuff. Is oh Brussels sprouts too? I'll always Mm -hmm. I can get a pound of Brussels sprouts and figure out what to do with those. I if I feel like oh I want to do portobello mushroom caps, I'll get that and like you know do or. I, oh, I do. I do buy a thing of mushrooms because that's another easy side dish that you can do is just sauté mushrooms. Oh yeah, and and put a bunch of garlic powder and onion powder on it. That's another trick that I have is onion powder and garlic powder are like essentials to have mm. in the kitchen because in addition to salt and pepper, you put onion powder and garlic powder, and then you automatically have a nice flavor base to whatever it is that you're making. Right. So you'll see you'll see that recur a lot in my books because it's it's like a shortcut.
0: Yeah, that's a great. Because I was going to ask you what you think are the most underrated ingredients in cooking. So onion powder, garlic powder, obviously a good yeah. salt and pepper. Do you have any preferred yeah. salt that you like to use?
1: I I don't. I mean, I use. I sometimes I use the Himalayan pink salt. Sometimes I use the the Haynes or the Byline, you know, sea salt that comes in the big canister, like how they used to. Well, they still sell canisters of Morton salt. Now they sell canisters of sea salt. I love the Redmond's real salt.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what we use.
1: Yeah, I use that for most salt applications. I'm starting to run out. Uh, I need to get some off of yeah. Amazon. Uh, I always buy a. I always have a couple of cans of canned organic tomatoes, oh, that's
0: diced smart. tomatoes, and yeah. a, and a
1: can or two of tomato paste. So, because I'm constantly making marinara, like at least twice a week, huh? There's marinara happening.
0: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> if you have marinara on hand, you can always put it on your vegetables. You can always. Make a chicken parm. You can always uh, turn it into a bolognese and do zucchini noodles. You know, so I always make sure I have that on hand. I always make sure I have almond flour on hand. Mm. I, I, you know, the staples, the the pantry staples have really gotten slim. It's like almond flour, some almonds, some walnuts, some pistachios, uh, the canned tomatoes, canned tomato paste, canned um, full fat coconut cream. Mm. Uh, because that's really great for when you want to thicken anything. Or like now I make my chicken tikka masala all the time, but I make it with coconut cream instead of heavy cream. Oh, and you yeah. you cannot tell the difference. So if you're trying not to do dairy, that's a great. I will say this. The second cookbook, Eat Happy 2, has way more dairy-free alternatives and suggestions. Oh, okay. Because my audience mostly eats, they do eat dairy. So there's yeah. a lot of dairy recipes, um, but I don't. So I'm trying to offer up more and more. Oh this one I make all the time in the winter this spaghetti squash with sausage leek and sage sauce mm. it's and it uses coconut cream to tie it all together. Oh, it's cool. to die for and I make it all winter long it's like my winter comfort food. I love it
0: yeah I mean I think you get into a habit you get into a groove and like you're saying there's certain things you just always have on hand so you have your go-to recipes and then maybe you try something new once a yeah. week or once every other week and then add that to your repertoire and then soon you've got a good Ten to twenty go-to's, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate your time. I know you oh, have. Thank you a for lot having me. I, Going on?
1: Yes, I love to talk so about much. food.
0: I mean, me too. So now I'm actually really hungry.
1: <laughs> I know, right? I'm gonna go. <laughs> me too.
0: I just, re- as you were talking, I remembered we have Brussels sprouts in the fridge that we need to eat. So.
1: Do I'm, it. Yeah. Ro- I'm do roast it. the you know what you could do is the bacon broccoli recipe, but with Brussels sprouts. Just put some oh. bacon on there and then it'll kinda render in its own fat. The other thing that I bought and I need to pull it back out because I did it I use it all the time last year. I got beef tallow off of Amazon. And I know they have it in stores too. Yeah. Um I got beef tallow and then I chop up the Brussels sprouts. Like you kind of cut off the butts and throw out the butts. Yeah. And then you quarter what's left and you kind of like use your hands to smush them to separate them as much okay. as you can. Yeah. Not, don't overdo it or anything, but like, and then this this little deep fryer that was like 30 bucks. Oh. And you put, the, and you deep fry the Brussels leaves in the beef tallow. You could do it in peanut oil too. Mm. And it's so good. And then you so then you'd lift them out of the basket when they're done, and they're like these little crunchy fried, they're so good. And That's you drizzle some balsamic. If you do cheese, you can put goat cheese over it. And salt okay. and pepper. It's well really now
0: good. I don't even want to make my own Brussels sprouts. I just want you to come here and make that. I know.
1: I'll be right over. <laughs> yeah.
0: So thanks a lot.
1: I know, right? <laughs> Well, where
0: can people find you? So your cookbooks, is Amazon the best place to get them? Or Amazon's
1: great. Barnes & Noble website is great. Uh, I've heard they're in a lot of Barnes & Noble stores now, but I haven't, I don't think they're in every one. But yeah, Eat Happy and Eat Happy 2 are both on Amazon. If you want more information, go to my website, anavicino.com or EatHappyCookbook.com. They both go to the same place. And uh, you can get some sample recipes to try. And uh, yeah, uh, Instagram is a great, uh, Instagram's my favorite because I think you know, obviously I love the visual food aspect of being able to post pictures there, but I I can post a lot of stories and show you guys what I'm actually cooking for dinner in my house, you know? Yeah.
0: I also prefer Instagram. I've kind of Dabble than all the social media, but it gets overwhelming
1: and oh my gosh, it does.
0: Yeah, I think you you do a really good job of regularly posting on Instagram. So
1: I try. It's a it's becomes it's becomes such a chore. It does, but I like Instagram and I like seeing what other people are doing. And it seems to me it works. I, listen, I have a very active Facebook group. I have eight thousand people, I think, now in my Facebook wow. group. So that's Anna Pacino, Eat Happy. You can search on Facebook, and there's a lot of folks in there who know their way around the kitchen. So if you have any questions, they will tell you.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, what it's about really cool. If people want to hear you on more podcasts, where can they find you there?
1: Um, well, I'm on the Fitness Confidential podcast yeah. with Vinny Tortorich every Monday, and uh, yeah, just sign up for my mailing list or or follow me, and I'll I'll tweet out when I'm on the things.
0: Yeah, I know you've been on there. It's eight years, right?
1: Eight years. Every baby. Monday for eight years. Every, well. No, for the first three to four years, I did three episodes a week with Vinny. Oh. I was the one who first produced his podcast because he didn't know how to turn on a computer. Oh yeah. Well, I feel that. And then now, now, now I, I just do the Monday show. I was like, it's too much. Yeah.
0: I mean, it is. You're killing me, Vinny. I can't believe he still does five a week, right?
1: Five. Yeah. He was like, I- not only am I not going to do three, I'm going to do five. And I was like, That's okay, crazy. go for it, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, respect, but.
1: Yeah. Respect.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was so helpful. I have some great new ideas and I know that my listeners are going to love this. I actually, just a little side note, I just signed up for this platform that I use with my nutrition and health coaching clients. And it's this whole meal prep thing and you can create recipes and things. But then as I was doing it, I was just feeling kind of stressed out by it. And I was thinking, I should honestly just send any new client your two cookbooks because I support I think that's that decision. Easier. Yeah, <laughs> and that's so much easier. I feel for me too. And just here you go. Well, I,
1: I think the next phase in my business is to start to put together a lot of 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 meal plans and stuff. Because right now I really just offer up the recipes. I'm not an expert, and in, in, I'm not a dietitian like you are. And I, uh, I I just really it's it's time to to do that as well. But yes, please. Well, yeah, and I
0: think it's just great. <laughs> Because they're any recipe in any book, I mean, yes, some may have more sugar, so if you're initially trying to completely cut out sugar, avoid those. but then ev- yeah avoid those, the
1: desserts, guys. Yeah,
0: those will be your treats yeah. though, but then all of the meals, you know, some are even dairy free, but they're gluten free, grain free, low carb. I mean you can just open the book and make anything, which is so nice.
1: Yes, and by the way, the ones that are dairy free, I you don't know they're dairy free. I'm sure you th- th- don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. I the whole thing is like, I don't want it to be like, ew, that tastes weird. No, 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 no. Like if you make Mother Sally's beef stroganoff in the second book, it's it's inherently a dairy-free adaptation and it's so good, you will not miss the dairy at all.
0: Well, right. And people should sense from how excited you are talking about food, you're not going to send them some recipe that's disgusting, right? no, there's I mean- no
1: there are no duds. Yeah, you are foodie. I won't do it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that was the other thing. People fill their cookbooks and fill their magazines with duds. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I have the trust of my audience. I'd like to keep it.
0: Right. And that's the other reason why if I'm gonna make a recipe, I want to know it's gonna be good because I don't want to make a dud. I think that's a waste of my time.
1: Yay. Good.
0: Yay. Well, thank you, Anna. Really appreciate it. Can't wait to stay connected on the gram and
1: absolutely save it for the gram.
0: All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Well, that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness. So let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs.